Tuesday, October 3rd. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. The Seahawks dominate the Giants on Monday Night Football. And Major League Baseball's postseason gets underway today. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Seahawks 24, Giants 3 as Daniel Jones gets sacked 11 times. Well, it was only 10 AJ. One was Paris Campbell getting sacked. So, uh, you know, ease up on the guy, okay? It wasn't that bad. Uh, (laughs) That's going to be the Vegas lead. We're going to get into the Major League Baseball postseason, which begins today. Yes, the wild card series. All four series begin today. It'll be uh, today, tomorrow, and Thursday, if necessary, for these wild card series. But plenty of baseball coming up in a few moments. Let's get to the Monday night game from last night. The Seahawks dominate the Giants 24 to 3. And you mentioned it, AJ. The Giants offensive line, absolutely pathetic in this game. How much of last night's performance do you put on Daniel Jones? How much do you put on the Giants offensive line? I'll go probably 25% on Daniel Jones. Uh, The rest is on the offensive line. Like most of those sacks, he didn't have time to make a reasonable decision. Like you have to, you have to watch it and say, and again, this is just me watching the, the, the television broadcast. So I haven't watched all 22 or anything, but just by the naked eye, it looked like he just didn't have time to do anything. And uh, one of the two picks was the same situation. The other one, he made probably a, a poor throw with the, you know, uh, but again, when you're under under duress all night, you tend to make bad decisions. And uh, it, there just wasn't much of a chance for him. And I think, again, it boiled down to the, the Seahawks did not have to respect the run game. So they just came right after him. And you, you saw the results. I mean, it was it was one of the, the worst games that we've seen the Giants play in, you know, in the day ball era. I think we also have to acknowledge the game just sucked overall. You know, I switched yeah. over to the Manning cast because I had to be entertained at one point. And I mean, they were asleep. And they, and they were asleep. Uh, you know, the first quarter seemed like it took hours because every play was a penalty. And there could have even been more penalties. And it was just a terrible first quarter. But still, even after the first quarter, I was like, as bad as that was, it was 7 nothing Seahawks. That's it. On a scramble drill that led to the DK Metcalf touchdown. So the Giants weren't out of it. It was 7-3, and then, you know, they get the touchdown at at the end of the first half. You go into the half, the Seahawks are winning 14-3. I still didn't think the Giants were out of this game. But then the sacks just kept piling up, and I think that third quarter into the fourth quarter, like as the, the third quarter wound down and the fourth quarter got underway, that's when the game really got to a point where, you were saying, just throw the towel in, just throw in the towel, right? I mean, the play that really kind of broke their backs was the late in the third quarter. The pick six? like a, Yeah, the pick six with like a minute left in the third. It felt like the Giants were... were That's a 14-point swing. The Giants are going in to score a touchdown there. It's going to either be 10-14 to 14 or, or, or 14-11 if they get ballsy and go for it. And instead, it's like, it, it's a blowout. And the fans start leaving. I mean, it was just like, it was... That play ended the game for all intents and purposes. It was just a, uh, it was kind of a backbreaker, but 
even when you look at the final score and you see 24 to three, like, and even at that point in the third quarter, when it was still just 14 to three, it's hard to believe that that was the score because the game felt so one-sided. Like it never felt like the giants were threatening. It just, it felt like they were, were just a, it was like a, a JV team out there. Like it felt like they never had a chance in that game. What if I told you the Giants had four more first downs? If I told you before the game, Giants are going to have four more first downs. They're going to have 36 minutes of time of possession, probably closer than minus 21. But if it's all about that one play, because they they were just behind the whole game. That's why they kept having the ball, getting those you know meaningless first downs. If it's all about one play, don't we give more of the blame than 25% to Daniel Jones? Because he wasn't pressured on that throw. It was second down. You could throw it away, and you got no problem. You're getting points there. Threw it right to the guy. And I got to be honest, a lot of there was a lot of sacks that came after that interception. Yes. So I think like six. In there the was like quarter. six sacks yeah. in the fourth. Yeah, in the fourth quarter. So up until that point, the Giants' offensive line was bad, but it wasn't historically bad. At that point, it's a 14-3 game. The Giants have first and goal at the six-yard line. He tries to run. He goes nowhere. And then it's a, a second and goal from the five-yard line, and he throws the pick six. The game was still, it was a minute left in the third quarter. Like, the game was still possible for the Giants to win. And then it was really the fourth quarter where the offensive line kind of failed. And and maybe it was the frustration because of Daniel Jones's inefficiencies and throwing the pick six that the rest of the team was just like, screw this, the game's over. You're right. But part of why I say 25% is, like, they're not even in scoring position without Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones made a couple great plays with his legs to even give them a chance. Like, say what you uh, – and I'm no Daniel Jones apologist. You guys know that. It, it, Daniel Jones was the best player on their offense last night. Like, he was the only, he was the only guy getting anything done. And like, it was like – well, and most of it was him having to run because he was just terrified all night. But th- there was n- – no playmakers were helping him out. The run game wasn't helping him out. It was just a – it was a – he was in a tough spot. And, again, I, I don't make excuses for Daniel Jones. I don't think very much of him. Uh, but but last night that was a, a team loss and like Brian Dayball getting like getting frustrated with him and and barking at him when your offensive line is giving up eleven sacks just seems like maybe your your vitriol is pointed in the wrong direction. But I also think that you mentioned the playmakers not helping him out. Darren Waller was targeted one time until the final drive. He had two catches on the final drive, one target. That's it. Your best playmaker. Who And it's not like he was being covered all night because Jamal Adams left the game early with the head injury, yeah. right? So you're talking about, oh, well, maybe it wasn't a part of their game plan to throw to Darren Waller because Jamal Adams was playing for the first time in a year. And you know how good he is at locking up tight ends and he's great on the blitz and they were going to have to have Waller in to protect for protection. But Adams wasn't in the game. I was watching Waller because he's on my fantasy team. I had a couple of bets on Waller, you know, over yards and whatnot and over catches, and he was open. There were plenty of routes that he ran where Daniel Jones could have looked for him, but he never looked in his direction. On the pick six play, they just showed – I'm looking at a video of it now. Darren Waller's wide open. Wide open in the back of the end zone. Not looking that way. Yep. You could have thrown it over the defenders to the back pylon to Darren Waller for the touchdown. And he's 6'6". He's the ultimate red zone target. But how much... I I just wonder... I I would not be surprised. Now, some might call this a panic move at 1-3 and and the season getting away from you and you look at the schedule coming up and the Giants have the Dolphins and the Bills. But it wouldn't surprise me if we get an announcement that Brian Dable is taking back play-calling duties from Mike Kafka. 
Did he play? Did he make play calls last year? No, it was Mike Kafka made all the play calls last year. But the offense is not working the no. way that it did. And so I, that was surprising. Like it was always, oh, well, you know, uh, the, 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 the Mike Kafka is going to be calling the plays. It's not Brian Dable. And you know something? This has been a topic of conversation around New York media because uh, there was a lot of speculation that Brian Dable actually already took over play calling duties in the second half against Arizona. There were internet detectives yeah. that saw Brian Dable go from the first game against Dallas having the play sheet in his pocket to actually holding the play sheet during the second half against Arizona. And I didn't pay attention last night to see if he was holding it in his hands. I think actually he was, if I look back, but maybe there is something there. Maybe there is some sort of, or, or he's just like overseeing it. Maybe there's something to this Kafka Dayball relationship here in year two. Giants have scored three points in their first two home games. It's the least amount in 40 years. They've had one good half. And that might have been the half where Brian Dayball was calling plays. They're the only Seems team, like there's smoke there. They're the only team in the NFL that hasn't scored a first-half touchdown. Those 15 plays scripted are not working as scripted. Yeah, and listen, it's tough because you don't want to, like we always talk about, we prefer our head coaches to not be in charge of the offense or the defense or whatever. But in this situation, Brian Dayball is better at calling plays than Mike Kafka. <laughs> like, that's, that's been established. Like, there's there's evidence of that. But again. I don't know how much of like could Brian Dayball have have worked some magic tonight to to create a run game or to create some time for the offensive line. I don't think so. I, I mean, I think getting the offensive line healthy, getting Saquon Barkley healthy, maybe we'll see we'll see what they've got. But with what they with what they're putting out there every week, it's you're not going to have success no matter who's making the final decision on what play goes into Daniel Jones. Do you uh, expect Barkley Andrew Thomas to come back next week? <sighs> Barkley, yes. Thomas, I don't know. They've been downgraded to the market. They were nine and a half in the look ahead line. They're now ten and a half point underdogs at Miami next week. At Miami, there's gonna be a lot of New York fans there, right? A lot of New York fans down in Miami. Your, your auntie will. Your auntie. Uh... But also, it's the Dolphins coming off the loss, so you would you imagine have, you have a better. An aunt that lives in Florida, don't you? Yeah, sure. Yeah. You would imagine that there's a bounce back for the Dolphins after the loss, but it, it feels like every game from now on is a must win for the Giants. And I know you can't, you can't say must win, but at one and three, you lose to the Dolphins, one and four, you lose to the Bills, one and five, season's, season's over. You need a win in these next two weeks, at least just to give your team confidence. It's hard to imagine that happening, to be honest. I mean, given the way they're playing. And, you know, the defense didn't look dreadful tonight, uh, but that's not the Dolphins' offense out there on the other side. And... You know, maybe maybe playing and, and again, it's not like the Seahawks defense. It's not like we went into this game going, man, the Seahawks defense really gets after the quarterback. Like, no, we don't think like that. So the Dolphins, like saying the Dolphins defense is gettable. Well, Seattle's defense was gettable and you got nothing. And then the week after Buffalo's defense is is not very gettable. I, I don't I mean, again, if Saquon is back, if the if Andrew Thomas is back, if that offensive line is healthy, maybe they've got a shot in one of those games. But. I, I don't really see it. I, I don't see them competing for the next two weeks. And I'm with, I, I'm with you. They need one of these wins. I just don't think they get it. I, I do think the season's kind of unraveled on them. Let's talk about this game from the Seahawks' perspective. They win 24-3. to They're 3-1 and one now on the season. And their lone loss was week one to the Rams. And honestly, they look like a different team in the last three weeks that we saw in week one. And and I believe, I think it was Buck and Aikman were, were saying on the broadcast, well, what happened in week one? Yeah. How did they get blown out 30 to 13? 
It was 17 to 13 at the end of three quarters. Sometimes it breaks that way. They played the Rams, who always beat them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is it just as much, AJ? Is it just as much as just the McVay always over Pete Carroll? Yeah. That's what it boils down to, I think. I, I mean, I really think McVay has his number. It's just like Shanahan has McVay's number. We've talked about this before. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that the one loss on their schedule was to the team that always seems to find a way to beat them. So I do think the Seattle team is pretty solid. Uh, but again, I, I'm not ready to crown them anything yet because like once once you start winning some games against teams that are are good that I know are good I'll be a little more impressed so far that hasn't been the case well they're on the bye now in week five then in week six they're at the Bengals maybe Joe Burrow's a little healthier by then maybe the Bengals look better by then who knows but then it's the Cardinals we know is a winnable game the Browns who knows Ravens difficult we'll see what happens with the Seahawks team but through four weeks they certainly look like a team that could head back to the postseason Geno Smith is not a pumpkin he's a real quarterback he's top 10 in our rankings he was last year I know he had a bad week one but he's and you know he missed a half a quarter half a quarter of this game where Drew Locke came in and looked all right but he's a legitimate quarterback he's better than Russell Wilson is right now He's better than half the quarterbacks in the league. Finished 13 of 20, 110 yards and a touchdown. You mentioned left the game with a little bit of, a, I guess, an ankle or foot injury. Drew Locke came in and played for a little bit of time. I think that's something to consider is when Drew Locke came in, their offense looked good. Like So maybe, maybe there's something about the offense that they're running. That's I mean, and again, we're talking about a team that's got multiple high-end wide receivers. They look like they've got a pretty damn good running game. Like, they've got some real weapons. You should be able to succeed with those guys. But, I like, the first time Drew Locke – remember, Drew, when Drew Locke came in, the game wasn't out of hand yet, and he went down and scored a touchdown, and I was like, oh, boy, if Geno keeps struggling, they may want to look at Drew Locke. Of course, then Geno comes back and, and has his success. And, you know, I, I, I think that – I don't think there's any kind of controversy there. But I do think there's something to be said about just the offense that Seattle's got on the field. No matter, It looks like no matter who's playing quarterback, they're going to have some success. Either that or the Giants' defense is just that bad. Yeah, maybe it's a little bit of both. Uh, I, speaking of defense, I was curious to see what Jamal Adams did in his first game back. It's a shame he had to leave uh, too early. And he was so mad at the independent neurologist. Like, he's flipping out on the sideline. But, like, that's the guy's job. Like, if he has concussion symptoms all this week, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's going to be like, yeah, my bad. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have yelled at you because, like, my head is really messed up this week. But, like, I understand his frustration in the moment. It's his first game since week one of last year. Yeah. And Daniel Jones knees him in the head, and now he can't play the rest of the game. So I understand his frustration, but with him back, I'm very curious to see the type of boost he gives the Seattle defense. Yeah, the secondary is looking good. They're going to get Jamal Adams back and all pro. They had the almost rookie of the year last year in Woolen, and they have this guy that scored a touchdown in two sacks tonight. Oh, Witherspoon? Yeah, he's yeah. going to be he's a he's rising the rookie of the year favorites. Mm -hmm. So they might be a very young team. They might be much improved on defense. Yeah, and and there's no doubt. And the the worry is obviously like they they've got a buy, but so you you would assume that there's not like a long term issues with Jamal Adams. Like the, the hit didn't look devastating, and we've talked about no one's come back. No, he's fine. He was fine. He, he yeah, he was he was a little woozy at first. The independent neurologist flagged him off the field he had to be helped off but then he was fine then that means it's a great time for a buy because like rj pointed out last week no one's played the week after they had a concussion like if you've been put in concussion protocol you've missed a week i would expect them to play when they take on the Bengals on the 15th i i would expect jamal adams to play elsewhere around the nfl and speaking of the bye week coming at the right time for injuries justin herbert your boy aj has a fractured middle finger on his non-throwing hand 
And according to the team, he would be probable and would still play if the Chargers had a game this week. But thankfully, they are on a bye. Well, obviously, he's uh, he's the toughest dude in the league. I don't think there's any question about it. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not surprised at that. I think the fact that he came back into that game last week with that Frankenstein mitt on, uh, it made me it made me think that it's it's. I don't want to say it's not going to affect him because clearly it is going to affect him in some ways, but it's it's not going to affect him enough to keep him off the field. Otherwise, they would have had Easton Stick out there running a drive. They said, "No, nope, we're better off with Ark." We're better off with Justin with one hand than we are with Easton Stick, and they're probably right. I think most teams would be better off with a one-harmed Justin Herbert than their current quarterbacks. Uh, your other team, the Buffalo Bills, suffered a bad injury as the uh, worst has been confirmed. Tredavious White has a torn Achilles and will miss the remainder of the season for the Bills. Yeah, just devastating, man. Two years after he had the ACL, but again, I, I don't think these things are unrelated. Uh, it seems to happen that way. You have an, uh, a knee or a calf injury, and later on you have an Achilles injury. It's it's kind of a sad reality, uh, but Aaron Rodgers had the same issue. Um, it, it's a it's a it's certainly a blow to this Bills defense, which, again, I think is really strong, but they're getting Von Miller back uh, presumably pretty soon, and it, you know maybe the pass rush covers up some, some holes in the secondary, but that, it, you can't lose a guy like Tredavious White and just think it's uh, no big deal. Like that, he's one of the best in the league. And in positive news, Jonathan Taylor returned to practice for the Colts, returning or eligible to return from the physically unable to perform list. He will resume practicing this Wednesday and could play as soon as Sunday against the Titans. So did Jonathan Taylor just stop the whole like I'm I, I want to trade I'm not going to play here I want more money like wh- what what happened with this like he went on the pup list and sounds Shane, like it yeah it sounds like it Shane Steichen said quote he's super excited to be back with his teammates and I look forward to having him end quote it just feels weird because I mean it seemed like he was like willing to make a big stand and I don't know if that you can say that they called his bluff I don't know how you want to put it but the fact that you know, he he was gone for the first four weeks and now he's just coming back and we're pretending like that never happened. It's a little bit of a weird situation. Yeah, but also they're two and two. Everyone in the division is two and two. Technically, they're in first place and the quarterback looks like he's a leader. He looks serviceable at a minimum. Yeah. So maybe Jonathan Taylor looks at the team and says, you know what? Maybe this isn't that bad of a situation. Maybe we can actually win something this year. Yeah. Glimmer of hope. Colts plus 250 to make the playoffs. That was five to one before the season. Yeah, maybe maybe you guys are onto something there. Maybe he's just uh he's excited to get back, but it just felt like it was so financially driven at the time that it's it's surprising to me. Kenny Pickett might not miss any time. He's got a bone bruise on his knee. The Steelers will host the Ravens. They're underdogs this week. Is uh, let me ask you guys a question. Is it better for Mitch Trubisky to play? I mean, Mitch Trubisky is the same person. He's just bigger and has bigger hands. Like there that's the only difference. There the play is going to be the same. So uh yeah I I don't the Steelers offense is just gross the play calling is gross the players are gross it's just it's a bad situation there in Pittsburgh right now in my in my opinion at least on that side of the ball I think Kenny Pickett's better at where they want to go as far as their drop back game but if they're not getting that I think Mitch Trubisky if you simplify that offense to give him on rollouts you know prioritize the running game in deep shots I think he might be better than the guy Kenny Pickett who's ranked 30th in our rankings right now 31st I'm sorry we did the we did the early line report last night, McKenzie. Where was this line, and where? what's the movement bid on the Steelers and the Ravens? Yeah, major downgrade for the Steelers. They were two-and-a-half-point home dogs last week. Now they're four-and-a-half-point home dogs. 
Maybe that's the downgrade of quarterback, but that's also a downgrade of the performance for it, Houston. If it's announced that it's Pickett or Trubisky, does the line move? Or is four and a half? That, I that's wouldn't what be motivated to bet it either way yeah. off that news. I'll tell you that much. I don't. I don't think there's a difference. I don't think the line will move much at all. Like if, if at all. Like it's not. Like, you just said what is he in our ranking? Thirty first. It's not like someone would say, "Oh, Mr. Trubisky's been so important to this offense that's just really humming." It's like, oh, the quarterback who's put up like six points a game isn't going to be there. Okay, well, what's the alternative? I, I, I don't think you can move the number off of him. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it, and it's so easy here. Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time. For no additional charge, find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ, it's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped the board as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1 because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality, and I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. The Major League Baseball postseason begins today. Yes, 3.08 Eastern time. First pitch. I always love the uh, the timing on the play- postseason games. So we have 3.08 first pitch Eastern time. The Rays hosting the Rangers. 4.38 Twins hosting the Blue Jays. 7.08 Brewers hosting the Diamondbacks. 8.08 the Phillies hosting the Marlins. Really got to get on those eights. Uh, but here's the pitching matchups and the lines for today's games. A reminder, this is how the postseason goes. We have the wild card series first. These are a best of three. So you have to win two out of three. All three games are at the same site. So the team that has the home advantage is home for all three games. And the winner of uh, each series will advance then to the division series. So the Rays will host the Rangers. The winner of this series will take on the Baltimore Orioles in the division series. Tyler Glass now starts game one for the Rays. Jordan Montgomery 
Game one starter for the Rangers. Razor minus 155, total of seven and a half. We will see low totals here for the Major League Baseball postseason. AJ, any feel for this one? I like the Rays to win this series over the Rangers. I do too. I mean, the Rays have better pitching. And at the end of the day, that's what it boils down to. The Rangers lineup's been good all year, but it had like down the stretch, they just sort of melted down. Like they had a nice little run that weekend where they took first place. When they swept, I mean, it felt like, oh, maybe they fixed everything, but it's obvious that down the stretch it wasn't fixed or you wouldn't have lost three out of four to the Mariners. Um, I, I trust a team that's got playoff caliber starting pitching, and, and that's Tampa. And plus, Kevin Cash has been there, done that, and I know you could say the same about Bochi, but Cash is going to be – he's going to work his bullpen. And the one thing that I fear for the Rangers is if there's a closeout situation, I don't trust Aroldis Chapman. I'm sorry. I've seen this story as a Yankee fan. I know that he's going to give up a run at the end of the game. He melted down in that in that Mariner series. Like, yeah, there's there's no way you feel good about him coming in a, in a high leverage spot. We move on to the Blue Jays at the Twins. Minnesota minus one twenty in Game One with Pablo Lopez on the mound against Kevin Gosman. And in this series, the series price is the Twins minus one fifteen, Blue Jays minus one oh five. I will. I might as well just spill the beans now. Out of all of these series, looking at the home teams that are the favorites, this is the one series I have the road team winning. I have the Blue Jays beating the Twins, and it starts with a game one win uh, with Gosman over Lopez. Well, when's the last time Minnesota won in the playoffs? Like 18 straight postseason losses. They haven't won a postseason game since 2004. Yeah, it's just a team that, that I don't trust come playoff time. And again... This boils down to, in a three-game set, the Blue Jays have better pitching than the, than the Twins. Yep, I like the Blue Jays, and I like the, bull, the, black, the, the back end of the Blue Jays' bullpen over the Minnesota Twins. The Diamondbacks are at the Brewers. Corbin Burns starts game one for the Brewers. Brandon Fodd gets the start for the Diamondbacks in game one. Brewers are minus 180 in game one. Diamondbacks plus 150 on the comeback on the DraftKings Sportsbook. For the series, the Brewers are only minus 155, the Diamondbacks plus 130, and this is the most important game for the Milwaukee Brewers because they're staring at Zach Gowan in game two and Merrill Kelly in game three, and I'll make the argument that I don't care about Woodruff and Peralta. The Diamondbacks have the pitching edge in game two and in game three. No, I agree, and I think that that's your uh, if you're wanting to bet the Diamondbacks, the time to do it is after this game because you'll get a you'll get a juicier series price uh, if they lose game one because obviously they've got the edge in, in game. It's almost like a two game parlay, um, but I I think the Brewers get one of those wins. I, I I think the Brewers take two out of three here. I, I think they they take one and they'll probably take game three. I I, I just feel like they're a little bit more of a complete team. Um, so yeah, I, I, I lean to the Brewers in this one. Phillies will host the Marlins. Oh, by the way, the winner of the Blue Jays and Twins does take on the Houston Astros. The winner of the Diamondbacks Brewers will take on the Dodgers. The winner of the Mar it's an all NL East affair in this side of the bracket as it's the Marlins at the Phillies and the winner gets to take on the Atlanta Braves. Game one, Zach Wheeler goes for the Phillies. Jesus Lazardo for the Marlins. Phillies are minus 162 in game one. Phillies are the highest favorite of all these series, minus 195 for the series. And a lot of it has to do with game one is Wheeler. Game two is Aaron Nola.
Yeah, again, this is this was an easy series for me. Philly's one of the teams I could see, you know, making some noise and, and getting all the way to the at least to the NLCS. I like a, I think there's going to be a Phillies Dodgers NLCS. So I like the Phillies to win this series. So you have the Phillies upsetting the Braves. I do. You know, I went through Josh uh, Towers and I did a Major League Baseball postseason preview. You can go listen to that. It's on both. R.J. Bell's Dream Preview feed and the Straight Out of Vegas feed. So if you want to get ready for the games coming up today, listen to myself and Josh Towers preview the postseason. And we did a kind of an exercise, and, and it's we can't get away from the Braves. It's almost like I can't get away from the Astros and the American League. I can't get away from the Braves. How good they have played this year. The idea that they're going to lose four out of seven games to somebody just doesn't, it doesn't sit well in my mind. And then you think about Acuna. And the way that he has played this season, he's going to be the National League MVP. Remember, he got a World Series ring, but he didn't play. Not on the 25-man roster. He did not play for the Braves when they won the World Series. This man is on a mission. He wants to win a World Series and be the reason why they win a World Series. And I think, honestly, we're probably headed towards a World Series rematch from a couple of years ago. Braves and Astros. That's where I... Astros pitching has to hold up. It, it, it's been shady uh, for for a little while now. So that, that's the the one concern I would has have is is are the Astros good enough uh, in their starting pitching and in their bullpen even uh, to get back to where they've been. Braves plus three ten, Astros plus four fifty. Those are the top two favorites to win the World Series. Dodgers also plus four fifty. Orioles seven to one. Rays ten to one. Phillies thirteen to one. Rangers sixteen to one. With the Blue Jays sixteen to one. Brewers 17 to 1, Twins 20 to 1, Diamondbacks 30 to 1, and the Marlins 35 to 1. Which upset in this first round would surprise you the most? I guess you're going to say it's the Marlins over the Phillies. It's, it's the Marlins. Yeah. I, I, I just can't see them beating, I can't see them beating two out of three for, from this Phillies team. I, I think they're just too good. I actually would be more surprised if the Rangers beat the race. I think, I, I think Tampa has the pitching edge. I think Tampa has the experience edge. And with all due respect to Boshi, I think Tampa has the managerial edge with Kevin Cash. And the, right now, they're the second highest favorite in the wild card series. The Phillies are minus 195 over the Marlins. The Rays are minus 165 over the Rangers. I'd be more surprised if the Rays lost than if the Phillies lost. Because you know what? I've seen the Phillies mess around this year. I've seen them lose games that they should win. And, you know, yes, I, I, the Phillies lineup's better, but just if it happened, I don't know if I'd be shocked. I'd be like, you know what? Yep, Phillies Phillied. That's what they did. AJ, you and I will record this week's uh, college football pod coming up tonight, so it'll be out uh, later on tonight or tomorrow morning for everyone to listen to on R.J. Bell's Dream Preview podcast feed. But we do have the updated AP Top 25, and I wanted to go over the new rankings and compare them to the championship odds and talk about where we think the biggest discrepancy is and actually who provides the value right now as we head into another week of the college football season. So Georgia is still number one. They have 35 first place votes and they are the top favorite to win the national championship at plus 300. Michigan's number two with 12 first place votes and they're right behind Georgia at four to one. Do you agree Michigan should be this close to Georgia as far as the odds to win the national championship? I, I have Michigan sixth in my power ratings right now. So, no, I, I disagree. I, I think Michigan's been a little disappointing this year. 
the last couple of weeks, sure, it, it's been it, it it started to look more like what we thought it was going to look like. But overall, I, I still don't know that I trust this team. So I, I I've still got them actually tied for sixth. So I, I'm not. I think second is a little high for them as far as the polls go. But I, I remember you got to take into account their priors. What they did last year is, is probably still in some voters' minds. So it makes them. They were a playoff team. Uh, they're in that discussion until they lose a game. But from a power rating standpoint, I, I don't see them as one of the two or three best teams. Texas is third in the AP poll with 10 first place votes and they're third in the national championship odds tied with Ohio state. Who's fourth in the AP poll. They're both plus seven fifty, And that makes more sense to me. Texas, it, it, you talk about teams that have been upgraded over the course of the season. They've maybe like, if you take a look at all the teams right now that are in that conversation, who's impressed the most week to week, it has to be Texas. I think, I mean, it, it, they've got the best win in the country against Alabama, um they they handled their business last week when people were maybe kind of doubting them uh they did it against Baylor as well so and and it was you know that was a look ahead spot last week and so obviously the the OU game is big but until Texas falls right now I've got them just a point and a half a point point and a half behind Georgia uh who I've downgraded some since the season started so Georgia's come back to the pack and Texas has risen to the top of the uh the the rest of the the country and how much better is Texas than Michigan, for example? Maybe like a point and a half. Okay, but yeah, but that's that's saying something. The distance between Georgia and Texas, you got to do that same distance to get to Michigan. I, I think what's really something to think about is there's probably twelve or thirteen teams that you can make a case. Like it's reasonable to think they're they're good enough to be one of the four playoff teams, which is usually not the case. Usually, four or five weeks into the season, we know who's good, we know who's not, but like. What do we do with Florida State? What like do we do we thro- do we throw uh, Alabama out? I, I don't think so. Uh, is USC or Oklahoma are they good enough? Like is USC's defense championship level? I don't I don't know, but they haven't lost yet. Uh, what do we do with Notre Dame? Like there's a lot of really good teams this year, and no, I I shouldn't say it like that. There's a lot of good teams. I think maybe there's no great teams. There's no teams that are like this team is undeniably going to be in the playoff even Georgia looks like they've got some chinks in the armor so like I don't know that there's any sure bet on who's going to be in the playoff like if you, if you said gun to your head who's the team that gets there I don't know that you can because there's a handful of teams in the Big Ten handful of teams in the Pac-12 I could easily I mean Georgia's schedule is so easy and because they've got those priors they probably have to lose twice and I, I don't see that happening but I, I don't know who I'd pick right now to win a national championship I I certainly wouldn't bet Georgia as the favorite. It, it just doesn't – they don't feel like they're uh, a slam dunk like they were the last two seasons. Florida State is number five in the polls. They're number five in the odds as well, plus 900. Then Penn State. Penn State is 14-1. to 1. Washington, number seven at 15-1. to 1. Oregon, number eight at 16-1. to 1. USC, number nine at 18-1. to 1. And then this gets interesting. Notre Dame is number 10th in the rankings. Alabama 11th in the rankings and Oklahoma 12th. But in the odds, we have so far gone straight according to the AP polls with one through eight and num- and one through nine, excuse me, USC. The 10th favorite tied Alabama and Oklahoma 25 to one and then Notre Dame 40 to one. But Notre Dame just, they overcame the hurdle here. And they picked up the win. 
And I know what you're you're thinking. Well, it wasn't that impressive, or you know, they, they got lucky and the backdoor cover and all that fun stuff. But the win is a win. And you and I have talked about this before, AJ, and, and I think everyone kind of agrees with this. A one-loss Notre Dame team gets into the college football playoff. It doesn't matter how they win. If they go, if they if they finish the year with one loss, they're in the playoff. Unless there's four undefeated teams. Or unless there's four one-loss conference champions. And that's the difference this year is like, this is a year where it'd be, it'd be nice for Notre Dame to have a conference championship game. Um, the, the good, like, and the other thing is they still have USC and Clemson a road game at Clemson on their schedule. Uh, hell they're at Louisville this, this weekend. And I don't think that's a gimme either. Um, so I think that's part of what they're looking at, but I think the idea, like in the, in the days past, yeah, Notre Dame got in with one loss because the PAC 12 probably wasn't sending anybody unless it was an unbeaten USC. That's a, that's different this season. Uh, there's, there's teams in the big 12, whoever wins the, the Texas OU game on Saturday is the favorite to win the big 12. Now, I mean, they would have to lose games uh, if Florida State finishes the season undefeated. Uh, and then obviously an SEC champion, a Big Ten champion. Like there's not as many seats as the table uh, as there once was for Notre Dame. So I'm not certain that a one loss Notre Dame team makes it anymore. Well, assuming that they do finish the year with one loss, that means that they would have to beat USC, which then downgrades, yeah. then, which then downgrades USC. And then if USC winds up winning the Pac-12 with one loss, that would obviously eliminate a Washington or Oregon and then you would have to take Notre Dame over USC because they beat them head-to-head. Sure, but I don't think USC wins the Pac-12. Sure. It, now, if there's uh, Washington or Oregon goes undefeated and wins the Pac-12, then they're in. So then there's the Pac-12 champ. Then there's the undefeated Big Ten champ. But I think the Big Ten could also cannibalize itself because I think Michigan, George, uh, Michigan, uh, Ohio State, and Penn State could wind up like all beating each other. I think the Big Ten is going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. No doubt, but here's the other thing you got to consider. Now now Notre Dame has a loss to Ohio State. So the best thing for them would be if Ohio State it, if Ohio State runs the table, yeah. Yeah. So or uh, hell maybe maybe it's not. Maybe it's it, yeah, but Ohio State wins the Big 10 and then Notre Dame can say, "Well, you can't put them in." Uh, like we we won or we or uh, no, I guess they can't say that. I, I don't know what they can do. Like or if Michigan wins the Big 10, they say, "Well, Michigan beat Ohio State." That, that I don't know. I, I just think that you're right that the Big Ten situation is muddied. It doesn't help Notre Dame. Uh, the Pac-12 situation doesn't help Notre Dame. It just and I think also like people have watched Notre Dame and not felt impressed. Um, I certainly haven't been. I, I would have. Yeah, it feels like they they probably lost a game they shouldn't have lost against Ohio State, and then they won a game they shouldn't have won against Duke. So I I don't know where I'm at with this Notre Dame team. I'm not sure how good they are. Where's Notre Dame in your power ratings? Eleventh uh, right now. All right, so right where the market has them, not not any better. Yeah, when you score what like thirty-one points in two games, you're not going to be very high on many title odds lists. I'll tell you where the value is right now. It's at Alabama at twenty-five to one, because, and I'm not saying they're going to do it, but if they win all the rest of their games and then they beat Georgia in the SEC championship game, they're going into the college football playoff, and then at that point, everyone changes their opinions on Alabama. The 25 to 1 just seems like a big number for a team that has a clear path to get there. Whether they do it or don't, whether they do it or don't do it, it's a different different story, but they have a path to get there. Yeah. And they, I mean, Georgia's beatable this season for sure. And it looks like the team that's given them the most trouble recently, LSU, looks very beatable. Uh, that defense isn't going to, it's certainly not a championship level defense. 
So you're right. There is a there is a path for Alabama. I don't hate the value on them. Again, AJ and I will have the college football pod recording it tonight. So it'll be out later tonight, late tonight, or tomorrow morning. We'll have our best bets. We'll go through the top 25 schedule. And so you'll get those picks and that pod coming up later on again tonight or tomorrow morning on RJ Bell's Dream Preview podcast feed. A reminder, make sure you guys head to pregame.com. Sign up if you are not a member. If you're not, I don't know what you're waiting for. New members get a free $25 just for signing up. You can use that to get a free daily best bet. But now's the time to take advantage of our discounts. Use the promo codes that we've been giving out. There's two of them we've been giving out on the show for the past couple of days. Push 20 and West 20. Those two promo codes are still good for one more day. So use them if you haven't already. Push 20 or West 20. Use the promo codes. You can get a daily best bet package. You can get a weekender. Choose your favorite pregame pro. Get all the picks for the weekend. But also, hockey season starts in eight days. The NBA season starts. McKenzie's got season-long subs. I got season-long subs. There's a whole boatload of offers available on pregame.com to use that 20% discount towards. So take advantage today. For Mackenzie Rivers and A.J. Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas AM.